Hello and welcome to This Is Grit with Daisy Pearce. Here we shine a light on the inspiring stories of women in sport. Yes, these women excel in their chosen sport, but that's only part of their story. We want to tell the rest of it, the part about how they've done so while juggling other responsibilities such as motherhood, professional careers or the heavy burden of being first and different. Every week we'll spend an hour in their world and find out just how they do it. This is Grit. It's your responsibility to actually play outside yourselves. Okay, so you've got to bring your strengths. You've got to believe in it. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to get outside your comfort zone and grow. To get outside your comfort zone and learn something about yourself so that you can give to your teammates so we can be a better team. That's your responsibility today. What are you going to grow in? It is the best game because you get to grow as people like you can't do in any other game. But that's only going to happen if you invest in it and you get outside your comfort zone and you have a positive mindset and there's no I can't, there's no excuses, there's I wills. And if there's a thing I can't, we'll just do it anyway. There's no one here tells you can't do anything, it's only you. Play outside what you think you're capable of. My guest this week is Peter Searle, a busy mum with an impressive coaching CV. Peter made history in 2014 when she was the first woman to become an assistant coach at an AFL club. She grew up a die-hard Saints fan and was recently awarded an Order of Australia medal for her contribution to women's football. She's also about to take St Kilda into their first ever AFLW season. I met Peter at her house on game day and caught a lift with her to Trevor Barker Oval, where she coached the Saints VFLW team. Hey, Peter Sell. How are you going? I'm good. Great to see you. Fine place, okay? Yeah, yeah. No dramas. Yeah. It's been a while. (laughs) It has, it has. How are you? I'm well. Good. You? Yeah, good. Good. Um, have you seen this house? I haven't, no. Want to have a bit of a look around? Yeah, it gives the tour. It's 8.45 on Saturday morning, so game day. It feels like I've entered a sacred place to be in a senior coach's house on the morning of a game. Uh, what, what usually occupies your mind at, at this stage? Uh, just normal family stuff, you know. Getting organised, taking care of those two, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, just try and keep the home as peaceful as possible. That them two don't mind arguing a bit with each other. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, your mind, yeah, doesn't usually switch on to footy to really to drive to footy. Well, you've got a week at work to think about the game. So, yeah, um, it's the perspective of family, isn't it? It just, you know, you're just a parent. You know, sometimes you're a good one, sometimes you're not, according <laughs> to them. Uh, so, yeah, they don't. They don't really know what type of job, what you do, or what your responsibilities are. They just, you know, you're their mum and you'll find that out really yeah. soon. <laughs> I've got all of that ahead of me. Do you yeah. think they know their mum is special? I mean, every kid thinks their mum's <laughs> their mum's the most special. We've just got a greasy from Tessa, so that might answer my question. But um, are, are they aware of how many glass ceilings that you've smashed through, do you think? Uh, I think I'm just more embarrassing for them at this stage of their life. <laughs> Test don't sit on that way. Like that. Yeah. Um, I did, um, you know, I, I did tell them at the OAM, and it's like, yeah, whatever. And then I was saying, well, you know, Eric Brunner 
got it and Hugh Jackman and Tessa's face started going, oh, okay, <laughs> you might be okay then. That's given you a bit of cred. Actually, yeah, yeah. you make a good point. We might have to scrap what I've done so far and go back to the front door because I haven't addressed you properly. Oh, yeah. Peter Searle, OAM. <laughs> um, just quickly, what did it mean to you to receive the Order of Australia Medal and how did that all come about? Um, well, it came about, I don't really know, someone obviously... Um, has nominated me and then there's there's quite a big role after that with um, referees you know and I'm pretty sure Sue Alberti was referee and so it's a big it's a it's a big process so when you when you look at it and think back and reflect there's um, you know it's comforting to know there's a lot of people out there that are really behind you and supporting you and you know and the work that they do to make things happen for you um, you know is you know you feel a bit privileged and humbled around that uh, at the time when you know, I was told I was going to receive the award, honestly felt a bit undeserving because you know we just do what we do and we just go to work and we just happen to work in a privileged environment, um, which I guess has a lot of influence on society. And but I think, but it was also a good opportunity to reflect on, I guess, well, what what that does mean to a lot of people. Um, and then I get the responsibilities that go with that in terms of, well, you can help really change, you know, um, and influence society in a positive way towards females and minority groups. Fantastic acknowledgement for all the work they've done yeah. in women's footy, but beyond that, like you said, it has an impact beyond the sport. So, yeah. um, it's also, days are going to interrupt. Um, it's also a reflection of everyone else, though. Like, let's be honest, I wouldn't be here if... I wasn't coaching you 10 years ago, you know, like, so to all the people like way back at, you know, Darabin to Port Melbourne, it's like all the players that really made this happen. So, um, you know, I would hope that at some stage, you know, people would look back and say, yeah, well, I was a part of that and I was part of the reason. So it is a reflection, while I get the, the reward for it or the recognition for it, I think it, it should go a lot deeper than that. To provide context for those that maybe don't know your story, you were, you, we're talking about your time as coach of the Darabin Falcons in the VWFL, yeah. um, where you played football first, but um, then became coach in 2005, was your first season? Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember years. Can't remember years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was, because it was my first season playing women's football as well, and I, well, I remember you clearly telling me that your aim as the coach was to make the Darabin Falcons a place that you were proud to bring your family. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think uh, women's footy um, in the earlier days at times had a bad stigma and Darabin Falcons was a bit more of a probably a party club than a club that, you know, where girls wanted to come together and play footy and have a great time, which is, you know, all good reasons to play sport as well. But along the way, you know, kind of missed, I think, the opportunity to reach a greater audience and really tap into what's important to people outside of that. When I first started playing footy, to be honest, uh, I, I lied. My parents didn't know I played, you know, I hit it. So, you know, I just wanted to create an environment where that didn't have to happen and, and that, you know, it was a safe environment for everybody in my family to, to just be able to come to a place and really feel a sense of belonging. I put it back to that, you know that show, um, this might be going a bit before your time days, Cheers? 
sorry, before my time, <laughs> but tell us about it. It was about a bar, and the song, the starting song was basically, just want to go where everyone knows your name. It was just a, a place where people of all different walks of life could belong, come together. Could come together. And belong, yeah. And belong, and that's basically was what I wanted to create it at create at Darwin, but I think they've really held on to that because it has been a club for a long time that has accepted, you know, lots of different people. It's been quite a unique club like that. It stands really strong in understanding and accepting all types of people and I think it's been really important for it. You were able to win five premierships in a row. Mm. Um, you inherited the club at a time where it was one of the most underperforming teams and had a fairly ordinary culture like you've touched on yeah. and then went on pretty quickly I think 2006 was the first one and you won five straight premierships but I remember it, it probably wasn't until my first season of AFLW that it dawned on me in a footy sense why we'd been so successful but um, a lot of what we started what was a part of the AFLW program in terms of standards and your preparation um, communication amongst teammates a lot of it, when you spoke to girls that had been at Darabin, it, it was stuff we'd been doing for a long time, whereas for a lot of our teammates, with no disrespect to some of the other clubs in the VWFL or VFL women's at the time, it was a major step up. So you, you demanded things as a coach, even back in 2005 and six in that environment that you describe, you demanded stuff that the league or the state of the game of women's footy didn't demand at the time. Where did your foresight come in terms of a coaching and performance sense come from? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, what I do find funny is I did ask for um, some wheelie bins with ice in it and the uh, committee said, oh, no, nah, no, nah, it's too dangerous. <laughs> so I couldn't quite get that one over the line. <laughs> but now every footy club has them. But that really was too futuristic. It was. Futuristic. It was. It was just, yeah, it didn't sit comfortably, did it? You know, just all people jumping in a, a bin. But, um, yeah, I just think part of me is just always um, looking to do things better, looking to grow, like what's, where can you go? Um, yeah, and you've always got to be just driving that. I mean, you know, even, well, we didn't lose a game for three years. Um, so like, how do you keep, how do you keep that standard up? And it's because there's always something to work on or there's always bad habits you fall into that need correcting. Like there's, there's always somewhere for you to go to keep improving and, um, you know, I think that's that's just part of who I am. So that's, you know, well, obviously what I demanded from the club and from the players within the club. I remember going down to North Melbourne and watching them train a few times just to get some ideas. He sent someone over because I had a notepad. Uh, scout. <laughs> yeah, he sent someone over and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I was actually just working out the team for the weekend. So I showed him the list and said, well, unless your players are a bunch of girls, um, I think you're pretty safe. <laughs> you touched on that you played footy. Before you were a coach, you were a player. What kind of player were you? Or how would you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, um, yeah I was probably pretty ruthless. Determined? Yeah, determined, and I like the physicality of it, um, you know, and that's the beauty of this sport is uh, the freedom that you get from playing, uh, you know, all the, you know, 
ages ago when you're brought up, you weren't allowed to do this, you weren't allowed to do that, you have to behave in a certain way, you can't be rough, you know, you don't get the opportunity to get in the schoolyard and... Because you're not encouraged to, because you're a girl? Or? Yeah, 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 it's just not the way, you know, your mum wants to put you in dresses, whatever, all that type of stuff. So when you get the opportunity to finally be who you want to be, it's real liberating and I think that's why so many girls actually love playing the game. So I really, you know, enjoyed the fact that if I wanted to run harder than everyone else, I was going to be rewarded for it. You know, if I wanted to be physical, I was allowed to be physical. I loved to tackle. Didn't even mind going in the ruck when the ruck wasn't there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> your, your love of the game must have began or yeah, before I, playing. My family were massive Saints supporters. Like, we'd go to the game um, when I was in a bassinet. Part of the social club. You wouldn't leave till 10 or 11 at night. You <laughs> You're know. a footy club rat kid yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. nicest possible way. Absolutely. Trevor Barker used to walk around with me um, on his shoulders. In the Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. You've got memories of being chaired around on Trevor, the, the Hall of Famer yeah. now, Trevor Barker's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pretty embedded into the club. You know, my brother played, dad coach, all that type of stuff. When I found the opportunity at the age of about 20, of course, I was just like, yeah, I'm there. Funnily enough, all my friends laughed, you know, when I said, I'm going to play footy. And then one by one, they all started playing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned that before, that you had to lie to your mum about yeah. going to play footy. Yeah. Why? It was easy because she lived in another state, so that wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you could get plenty past her. Yeah, yeah, but when she'd come down to Melbourne and she wanted to catch up and I'm like, oh. I've <laughs> avoid the phone calls but um, yeah just again just the stigma around it the judgement around it and she was certainly one that probably held that opinion of many Are you talking about sexuality or what, what was the thing that people, the stigma that you, you speak of? Um, probably around the butchness of, of, of what it was or what it was perceived to be um, people not you know looking at people but looking at what they saw rather than you know what people are inside um, and just being really judgmental around that you know um, so yeah and probably a bit about the sexuality too yeah um, yeah so it was easier to avoid than to confront um, so you know it's it's and that's I think what's really powerful about the AFLW league is it's not just saying girls can play football, it's saying girls can just be themselves and the football world has had to learn to accept it. You're listening to This Is Grit on SEN thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police is now recruiting, apply now. Next, I get the inside word from Peter's kids and Peter shares how she juggles family life in the cutthroat AFL environment. Welcome back to This Is Grit thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport. My guest this week is St Kilda coach Peter Searle, who I chatted to on the way to her game at Trevor Barker Oval. Pete, I want to touch back on that beautiful um, story that you told about being carried around on Trevor's, Trevor Barker's shoulders as a kid that was brought up down at Moorabbin. Is this just um, beautiful serendipity that we're now driving to Trevor Barker Oval for you to coach the St Kilda women's team and that you've worked at St Kilda for, well, nearly five years now? Or did you always then have the ambition and dream that you would end up back at uh, Moorabbin? Yeah, I think when you're a kid, you don't really uh, think what you're going to be doing in 30 years' time, um, you know, Loved running around Moorabbin uh, uh, with Trevor Barker, you know, having me on his shoulders. We'd go down to the uh, Southland back then, 
you know, at school holidays and when they used to have the handball competitions, AFL players used to run the handball competitions and every school holiday he'd pick me out of the crowd and get me on stage and give me a free Saints, Saints footy and so I just, you know, always thought I belonged at St Kilda, never thought that um, I'd ever be leaving, um, you know, I probably felt much like a lot of St Kilda supporters when we moved away from Moorabbin that, you know, that was it. But um, for me, uh, I think bringing footy back um, to Moorabbin and having women do that is a pretty significant and powerful and exciting thing. At what point did you start to think that potentially coaching could become your career? Um, at, at the point at which I wanted it to become a career was a point in which I needed it to become a career because the only way I could stay in it was to actually earn some reasonable money to support the family. So. No, when I went to, I went from Darabin to um, the Western Jets and then to Port Melbourne, it was still, Port Melbourne was still quite voluntary, so to speak, and um, I had to go to full-time work, I had two kids, so I couldn't continue to coach unless it was actually going to pay my way, so, and that's when I actually stopped coaching for about, um, you know, well, I thought at the end of the season and then I thought that was it so so in that moment you've, you've got a position as Gary Ayres as a senior assistant yep. down at Port Melbourne coach the back line and kind of you know on the pathway to being a career coach but you had to make the decision to give it all up is that right yeah yeah that's that's right and um, I think for the first time I started to question my own philosophies um, you know I learned at a pretty young age what works for me and what you need to do when things aren't going you well, um, going the way you want it to go. And, you know, I put in place all those things and I was getting nowhere. You know, I was knocking on doors, I was having conversations with um, clubs in the AFL and, you know, honestly, I was just getting a lot of lip service and um, I just felt like I exhausted every possibility to perhaps be able to continue and earn some money. Like, it was never my dream to coach at an AFL club. But it was just my, I just wanted to continue coaching because I loved it, but I wanted to be able to obviously support my family at the same time. And the only way you could have done that is in an AFL club. So it was a real hit of reality, um, but it was also the first time, as I said, I started questioning, you know, my own philosophies around, you know, all the things that, are, you know, I put in place that worked for me in the past and you know you, they you know there you fall back and you go to and that's what picks you up and keeps you going well I started to question all those because um I was getting nowhere basically um interesting enough like my manager at the time even brought me in and sat me down and said you're never going to get a job in an AFL club as a coach what made you think otherwise I've just been told along the way that a lot of times that, you know, you can't do something. Just teaching at a job I went for once is, oh, you're too young to be a leader, leading teacher. or you too. So then I just went and got the job elsewhere. <laughs> like You've proven that advice um, wrong a number of times, so you weren't going to let it stop you on this occasion. What happened to the manager? <laughs> yeah, I got the phone call the, uh, the next day after the Saints offered me a job and asked if I still wanted them to manage me. <laughs> and what did you say? Oh, I was polite and just said, yeah, that's that's fine, but, you know, um, didn't last long. Yeah. You need, you need people, to, you need a manager that's going to believe in you. <laughs> you do.
I can imagine it would have been still a huge decision to go all in with your coaching and to step away from you're an established teacher at a you're teaching at Brighton Secondary College was it still a massive decision for you and your family given the responsibilities you've you have uh, I'm gonna sound negligent when I say no aren't I <laughs> <laughs> no not negligent maybe just passionate yeah yeah um so the answer is no because I know I can always go back to teaching um and you know having spent any time in a football club you're going to also build your profile even more so so I felt that because of I, I'd had that background that yes yeah, so while I was giving up stability that you know, I knew that I could always go back there and nothing changes if you do nothing. So it was my turn to, to do something. And, you know, whilst it may be seen as a financial risk because back then I think the coaching tenure average was about two years. Um, I just thought if I'd spent two years in an AFL club, I would certainly be opening more doors for myself anyway. And um, also, you know, what type of role model do I want to be? You know, do I want to be one that challenges the norms, helps people grow, or do I just want to, you know, take the conservative route and be, so, you know, I want my kids to, you know, especially test back then, I wanted to say that, you know, if it's something you want to do and you can be passionate about it and you're good at it, you should do it. So yeah, it was a pretty easy decision, really. The actions afterwards is, was always difficult. So, um, you know, their life changed dramatically. And I'm not going to say, you know, it's always been a positive impact on them. It it probably hasn't in some degree, but I think um, being supported by a footy club is pretty powerful. Um, And they're certainly supported by the footy club as well. Um, Going back to women's football in terms of my family has actually impacted them more because now I'm out again at night, which I never wanted to be again. And I think that's probably been the biggest hurt amongst our family than than anything but you know where there's there's bad there's good you know um Tess goes to a really good good school based on what I'm doing you know otherwise so there's 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 goods and bads with 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 whichever way you want to put it we work a lot some days sometimes we work seven days a week and we work seven days a week for three weeks and I guess the good thing is though is while you know they don't like it at this stage but you know, um, you know, they, it's an environment where, for most part, they're included in. They can come. It's not like I go to work and they can't be there. You know, um, you know, they're on the way here and now today, and you know, what they get from just being surrounded by other people, other players, um, other athletes, uh, achieving people looking to grow. Um, people looking to better themselves like you don't get much better education than that in life I don't think Um, you talk about just then you touched on the the nature of the job working in an AFL elite environment Uh, it is cutthroat I mean I've spent a a short period of time working at the Melbourne football department in a welfare and development role and assistant coaches or coaches in general I don't think you'll come across a harder working bunch of people in terms of the hours that you put in cutting vision watching tape um, being available to players Uh, how have you managed to survive in that environment and manage a family on your own for parts of it but now with the help of Jessica like you've mentioned yeah you just gotta well I've had to learn to ask for help which um, 
hasn't been a strong point of mine growing up. I've always been quite independent. So I've had to like learn how, you know, what that looks like and actually learn that actually people do want to help and they want to be involved. So it's okay to ask. Um, you know, my mum was a, a good help for a little while and then, um, you know, Jessica plays a massive part now, but it's also just about being creative. Like, it doesn't have to be nine to five or, well, you know, I do two, two 12-hour days pretty easy twice a week, but it doesn't always have to be at the club. Like, it can be done creatively, so, you know, and, and it needs to be because these girls work too. So, you know, they work jobs, so I might go in, in into the city at lunchtime and catch up with one of them there and do their edits there, or last night two of them were at my house doing it because um, I need to get home early because Jackson finished school because it was school holidays early so you know I just yeah, there's, there's ways around it and um, yeah you just I, I don't think there's blockers it's just yeah being a bit more creative on how you get it done so that it can fit more people more often. Thanks for listening to This Is Grit thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting apply now. Next, I'll speak to one of the big influencers in Pete's career, St Kilda CEO Matt Finnis. Welcome back to This Is Grit, thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police, now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport, my guest this week is St Kilda coach Peter Searle. Each week on This Is Grit, I'll speak to someone who's played a significant role in helping our guests reach their goals. For Peter, one of those people is St Kilda CEO Matt Finnis. A couple of things we still need to keep working on is gears, all right? Gears doesn't mean look for the short all the time. Gears means plays with composure. Gears means if it's on, let's back ourselves and hit it, yeah? Okay, if not, let's go long down the line, you know? And if we go long down the line before I get numbers there, that's a bonus too as well, isn't it? Okay, so that's what gears means. Okay, making the best decision with composure. Matt Finnis. Thanks for joining us off the cuff. I didn't expect to find you down here at the VFLW game. Um, is this a regular thing on the weekends for the St Kilda CEO? Where else would you rather be when it's eight <laughs> degrees and pouring rain? Um, no, look, it's not as regular as I'd like it to be just because of the scheduling um, we have. But when the Saints are playing on a Sunday and, and um, the Southern Saints are playing on a Saturday, um, I'll take advantage of the opportunity to get down and see the girls. Um, I want to talk to you about Peter Searle. That's what brings me here. Um, I've spent the morning with her and, as you know, amazing story and a pioneer of women's football. But you were instrumental in her appointment to the Saints, being CEO at the time. How did you come to know of her as a candidate for the coaching job that was um, available at the time? Yeah, look, I mean, it's literally a, um, a marriage of opportunity and circumstance where um, if it hadn't have been for, for Sam Lane writing an article about Pete and you know the fact that she was working with Gary Ayres at Port Melbourne but um, you know had a determination to pursue a professional career as a coach in the world of AFL and, and we had a, a vacancy in a development coaching role and I'd been CEO for three months and and um, uh, you know was just looking for ways to um, to um, bring good people into our organisation and um, and you know Pete had the uh, you know the courage to put up her hand but then you know, she also had the expertise and the merits to win the job, and uh, and yeah, that um, seems like only yesterday, but it's a, it's um, probably four years ago now. Yeah, um, I mean, after stumbling across her um, and thinking, yes, given her history and CV, she's worthy of a 
a chance and worthy of having a look at her as a candidate. Did you have to do much, I guess, fighting internally to make others come on board and, and see her as that, being a female? Yeah, look, I think um, being a CEO, you have the opportunity, I guess, to, to maybe disrupt the status quo, which others don't. Um, you know, because of I guess the role you play, and and so it wasn't a fight. Um, you know, it, Pete won the job. I remember sitting in. On, you know, she was interviewed by Chris Pelkin and Alan Richardson, and and she won that role. But I, you know, for me, probably the learning for me was it, it, not not really the fight just begins, but it, you know, the, perhaps the the challenge, um, some of the challenges that that Pete faced in coming in and um, wasn't actually winning the job. It's about how effective you are once you're in there, and you know, and I think I've probably learnt lot more than Pete has in terms of you know the right environment to make sure that someone who comes in can really thrive and you know Pete's been a pioneer and and that's hard work and and um, you know so many others will follow in her footsteps by virtue of some of the challenges that she's faced up to and and we haven't always got that right but I just love her tenacity to keep finding a way because she's passionate about footy she's passionate about you know growing teams and she's passionate about the development of of young players as well. What sort of an impact have you seen her have on individual players in her role as development coach or now within the women's program and on I guess your organization and club as a whole I think I think the success of any club relies on a diversity of people you know who can bring different skills and different personalities to the table and um, and I I think that 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 when you've got 45 male players or if it's 25 female players not everyone's the same so you need to have different coaches who different players will connect with in different ways and and so you know I've seen um, players really connect with Pete you know um, in terms of the time that she just takes out with them um, that they'll seek her out and you know want to do some more craft work Um, you know in the last 18 months I've just loved the way that she's built this esprit de corps in this kind of group of young women who are forging away to fulfill their dreams you know that they call her pearl and they you know they kind of get in amongst it and and um there's just this um there's this intangible culture that's being built under pete which um our women's program is is thriving under but our men's program you know gets to benefit from that as well because of the integration of the way we're building it um pete spoke about how she wouldn't be able to have held the role that she has or have been able to succeed in her coaching the way she has have it had it not been for the support from the club in terms of welcoming her and her family um how much of that was St Kilda already or how much of the I guess welcoming of her kids into the club has been by virtue of having Pete around oh I think footy clubs are great places, you know, to work if you've got a young family. We ask a whole lot of our people, but that means you should be able to bring your family to work. And um, there wouldn't be two kids that have seen more footy grounds than Tess and Jackson, you know, in their kind of young years. But um, they're they're terrific um, kids, and they, you know, they support their mum. But I know that what gets Pete out of bed and the harder days is the the role model that she is for Tess, you know, and and um, and that drives her and and um, so you know we 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 ask people to you know give so much but you need to be able to bring your whole self to work and um, and it's it's been great watching you know Tess and Jackson grow up in 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 and around our footy club. What do you want for your women's team heading into their first season next year in the AFLW? 
am I allowed to say a premiership? Is that <laughs> probably not maybe uh, the right thing to say, I suppose, I, in year one? I, mean, I think you are, though. Yeah. But, and I think that, that is a different thing about women's footy. I, I think a lot of players, coaches, clubs just come out and say, we want to win the flag. You don't hear that very often in yeah. AFL. I think I, think I, I I think I said something in the start of last year where, I, you know, it said it'd be great if we made the finals. I think Pete looked at me twice because she, you know, she had such a young team that she was building last year. But um, I just feel with the continuity of the program that we're building through VFLW into AFLW, you know, we've certainly brought in some great talent, we think, but there's a bit of a grassroots kind of feel to the way we're building it. And so the girls will have the continuity of, of game plan, of program, of coaching. Um, who, who's to put any kind of barriers in front of what we might achieve? But, but ultimately... You know, we want a, um, a program whereby we give the girls a chance to fulfil their their footy dreams. Um, we give Saints fans a chance to actually feel whole in the sense that you know they can support men and women. Um, we can't wait for our team to literally run out back at Moorabbin. Um, you know, to play footy um, games like that. I, I just imagine eight to ten thousand people at Linton Street. You know, watching the footy at RCA Park. It's 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 a big thing for our footy club. Um, if we get some silverware as a result as well, that'd be terrific. Well, enjoy it. I'll let you get back out there. Matt Finnis, thanks for joining us. Go and watch some footy. Thanks, Daisy. Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. Apply now. Next, we get to go inside the coach's box on game day with Peter Searle. Welcome back to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. Victoria Police now recruiting. An insight into the women breaking down barriers in sport, my guest this week is St Kilda coach Peter Searle, who took us inside the coach's box on game day. Now this is the inner sanctum. You know, it doesn't always go your way in footy, but you've got to be mature enough to, to change something. So you're getting beaten two or three times. Was there any talk? Was any communication with something different? Perhaps just number off, you get to work on your body. Okay, so if you want to be a team that, you know, really grows and puts teams away or you just want to let things roll out because it's a bit wet. What do you want to be? These are things you've got to get better at, okay? You didn't speak until you were midway through primary school. Is that is that true? Yeah, I um, probably had an overprotective brother that did all my talking for me. Um, Yeah, I didn't quite have a... I had a lot of things not go well in terms of my upbringing. yeah, so I yeah didn't talk basically and didn't know how to talk, so I didn't talk. So I went to primary school and um, they said you belong at a special school because I didn't know how to articulate any words, and if it did, it came out not very well. So yeah, talking. Um, so I struggled through school. Um, you know, if you don't talk, it's hard to read. You don't read. You don't learn how to write. Like you just miss the basic fundamentals and um you know we're not even in footy if you miss the basic fundamentals you're in a bit of strife so uh, yeah it's it's not an area that i'm comfortable at um you know you know better than most days i make up words like there's no tomorrow (laughs) but um yeah it's getting up in front of an audience is not a strong point it's but what i have learned from a, a really young age is is you just got to put yourself outside your comfort zone. So I can imagine that first day would have been been that absolutely outside your comfort zone. <laughs> um, 
it's an intimidating environment for anyone, the, the AFL environment, male or female, regardless of your age or where you've come from. Most people would find that environment intimidating. What, what was it like standing before the players that first day and how do you feel like you were received? Oh, uh, look, well, as soon as you walk in the door and I've got Nick Rewalt um, come up and shake my hand and congratulations and welcome me to the club, you kind of, uh, you know, it's a big relief. and you feel like you belong. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and this is, I think, you know, in terms of inclusion and, and in terms of, you know, welcoming women into AFL clubs, it's actually a, a responsibility of the guys because right now they actually hold the power so it's it's easier for them to make it easier for the girls and for the girls to go up and say hey I'm so and so um it's an amazing image a, a female who's tiny a female who's tiny who didn't speak until she was halfway through primary school now addressing an elite group of men it's incredible and awesome and refreshing that yeah. you're doing it but um try and be true to yourself so you don't try and be anything different you know if you make up words that's okay you know like just fake it till you make it no but you know you just be you I think that's the best thing that you can ever be how have you seen it change the environment at St Kilda I'm in the basketball court with the girls boys are in the basketball court doing their thing it's just natural it's just natural it's not um it's not their space it's not our space it's just it just works you know um you know, if I'm last year, I was kicking the ball long to one girl, and the mids were just doing some hands. Men, male mids. I'm like, Maka, can you move your group right up there so I can have the court? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Like, like that. It hasn't had to be forced or discussed or. No, no, it just happens. You know, I'll, I'll speak to rats and I'll say, look, you know, one of my forwards is on school holidays. Can she just spend the day with you? Yeah, yeah, no worries. You know, get get her to come to our review, watch game, and come uh, our preview, watch game, come to our review. Just because the connections are there, it, it just it just happens. Um, you know, I, just yesterday I was on the track with Dermy and I said, hey, if I can get a couple of my girls here at 11.30 because their exam's over, can you can you do some work with them? Yeah, no worries. So I think, um, and that's true integration and that's the, and that's the only way um, it's going to work, but it's, it's also working to the value of their own development, um, the girls' development and the guys, you know. Um, you haven't been to the club days, but it's pretty impressive. You should come down. The layout of it is it's all overlapping, so we're all in the same space. So there's just natural... There's lots of times when we're just all in the same space, just... So, it's you know... We often speak about what we can learn from the men's program, and it is a great thing that Rats comes and is willing to teach the girls and Dermot likewise and the natural integration like you said what can be learnt for the boys from the girls program I've certainly seen things roll out at Melbourne but I'm interested to see what what you've seen in terms of what are the boys learning off the the women it's just shared collaboration and you know I'm not saying whether it's male female it's it's just different people see things differently so um you know if you've got expertise of someone in a certain area let's like you know let's look at what that looks like it's also important for the boys to understand um the structural barriers that the girls go through to do what they do and um you know you're in the welfare part so um you understand the boys got to go through that welfare day where they roll out all those different programs well with the respect and responsibility part you know um 
we got a couple of girls to come in and share their stories and it was the last part of the day so you can imagine boys sitting in these things all day and um but before we did a, I, ran, I ran an activity where it was like okay give yourself you know a point um if you've been if your football career has been supported by your parents give yourself a point if you know you're setting up your life through playing football it was about five different questions and there was a couple of girls so most of the boys ended up with five points the girls ended up with two points so for them right there it was a real well this is what they're dealing with this is what okay and now this is your responsibility to help them get to where you are and um and then the girls went on to to share their stories and i could not have seen a a bunch of more attentive boys at four o'clock in the afternoon they'll at the edge of their seats listening to these girls so you know i just think they just need understanding they just need to you know it's just get to know each other and understand well you know um what it takes for these girls to get out in the footy field and I think once they do that just mutual respect just builds now before you just nailed your reverse parallel park I asked you are there moments in your week now when you're coaching in an elite environment you've got a team about to enter into AFLW you have at your disposal every bit of vision and sports coding and technology and um that you could ask for are there moments where you just think far out look how far women's footy has come yeah probably um probably not enough um i certainly did when reflex came on board as our five-year sponsor to the saints and because it gives you a chance again to reflect and i told them a story um i had to go to their work and i, I told them a story about how grateful i am because effectively i'm coaching the same league but 10 years ago i was doing it down at mary creek where the girls had to do their own taping and you know it'd be nights that the mist would come up so far that you couldn't even see or we had a couple of nights where we trained in the dark remember that days <laughs> and you know you use the same five rock hard footies and like moments like that where you go you know but now you know so we're grateful for being able to have the resources to to enable these girls just to concentrate on footy and grow as footballers and as people rather than having to take care of all that other stuff and you know give them the right strength and conditioning program and all that so without a doubt you do i guess you know that for me that what what's always in reach or where else can we go is probably sits more on the forefront so you know while we've got whatever we've got i'm always going well we need this and this should be done and this you know so was, i'm probably more there than back in the past but i do think it is important every now and then just to to just take a few breaths and reflect and so that you know you can always be grateful and because you've got to pass that gratitude i think it's really important that gratitude gets passed on to the young generation because they're going to grow up footy looking differently are you are you bitter to have missed out in a playing sense no not at all um i couldn't be any more prouder and elated in that first year um watching you and a lot of other girls that I've coached run around just, you know, not just being really good footballers, but just holding yourselves really well in the media and, you know, for me it was just, you know, sitting back and being proud of, we can go in this way, being proud of the fact that, you know, not that I played a part in it or not, but just knowing that I know you and, and you're able to do this. I mean, when I played footy, I got everything I could out of it for what it was, you know, so I was, no regrets, not at all, I mean, look where I am, 
sounds like the girls have sung it without you. Sorry about <laughs> catching you in that moment, but I'll let you get back in there. And Pete, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for all your time. Any 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 win is always good to win. Um, however, it's not all about just winning or four points or winning and losing. It's playing footy the way that we would like to play footy. I reckon that last quarter there was a passage of play that you look like a good football team. It went for one and a half minutes. Yeah. So it's it's just about you know getting more, making those time you know making that part of the game longer and the type of footy that we don't want to play shorter in each game so that we can keep becoming better and better because it is in within all of you. Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Thanks to Victoria Police. You're more suited than you might think to join Victoria Police. Apply now. A big thanks to Peter Searle, Matt Finnis and the Saints for providing such incredible access this week. My guest next week is Hanine Draker, a GWS star with an incredible story about her journey to AFLW. We'll catch up with her in her home and talk family, faith and football.